I'm Anna. And I'm Alicia. And And this this is Popping Perfectionism. Welcome, welcome, everyone, to our last episode of this series. You guys. Crazy. This is crazy. I can't. I can't even It's so great. It's exciting. And then at the same time, too, I'm like, how is it? How is it already the last one? Like, I hope we've, what, how do I say this? Like, I feel like we've had so much on our minds about perfectionism. And to think that we've already recorded all of it, it's like, what have I missed? Like, did we really yeah. say everything? But that's okay, because obviously there are going to be more series after this. Yeah. But it's just crazy. Just the foundation of it. Yeah, the foundation of perfectionism, there's just so much to it. Yeah. And the fact that we've already covered it all blows yeah. my mind. Blows my mind. But and then have. it's like, and then it makes me think. We haven't covered it all. And I that's know. good. Because we have more series we've got more. Yeah, we're excited. Is, we're You're not getting rid of us. We're sticking no. around. We've got no. more to say. <laughs> um, so this episode, we're just going to kind of run through our last parting thoughts on the foundation, at, like the foundational aspects of perfectionism, our last little nuggets and words of wisdom, mm-hmm. things that either we didn't get to say in the other episodes or we did say them and we just didn't really get to go in as depth as we wanted to. Um, and then there's a couple of analogies and certain points that we haven't gotten to at all that we really wanted to save for this last episode because we feel like they're really powerful and kind of button it up real nicely. Yeah, totally. And one of, I guess, the most important things to share, in in my opinion, is like the stories, our stories. Like our personal stories. With perfectionism yeah. and how it's affected us. And honestly, like it's why we started this thing. And I think there's a lot of power in just sharing your experiences with this and then people know they're not alone yeah because yeah. yeah we just haven't really we've we've touched on it a little bit but we haven't really said why this hits so close to home for us mm-hmm. so we're gonna do that in this episode okay so i'm gonna start it off with how perfectionism has affected me and what's cool is anna's anna and i like have very different stories with perfectionism mm-hmm. which um which tells you that it it truly does manifest itself in different ways for everyone. Yeah. I think everyone has a perfectionist identity and it just flares up and then shies away at times for people, totally. you know, but everyone has it in some sort of way. Totally. One thing that really triggered my perfectionist identity was serving an LDS mission. For those of you that don't know what that is, Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints get the opportunity to go on a service mission, to go abroad or stateside. They could learn a new language. It's like a crazy experience. If you are a young woman, you can go at um, 19 years old. That's the soonest you can go. And then young men can go at 18 years old. So you're really young and it's a really impressionable age. And it's a long time you're gone. Yeah, you're gone. The girls are gone for 18 months. And the boys are gone for two years. That's a year and a half, guys. Guys, that's so long. And it is really hard. And I think um, a lot of members of this church don't talk about the hard a lot, Mm -hmm. which makes you feel really alone in your struggle. Mm -hmm. Because it's supposed to be like the most perfect, fun adventure, like the time of your life, you know? Um, So I got called to serve in the Adriatic North Mission. I had no idea what that was. The, this is this is one of the first moments I noticed perfectionism manifests itself in my life. I got my mission call. And so you apply to go on a mission. You get you historically got a letter sent to you, but now it's email. So a letter came to me in the mail. 
and typically people have all of their like family and friends and whoever like come over to watch you open it because it's exciting like you could end up going honestly anywhere in the world for a long period of time and you yeah. don't know where so yeah. it's exciting yeah. my biggest fear or my biggest concern about that night was if I would be able to pronounce the name right of where I was going dang that was my that was my thought it wasn't like oh I'm, well I was excited to know but that was my fear like everyone's like gonna be watching me and I'm gonna look so dumb that's what I thought wow so super okay yeah right ridiculous like yeah. ridiculous right so the night comes and I told my mom I was like mom I just want to open it by myself like I really don't want people to come she's like no you've got to invite all of your friends and blah 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 like you could inspire people to go on a mission themselves or whatever so I was like okay fine so I didn't think like a ton of people would show up but five minutes went by okay more people are coming 10 minutes go by there's more people coming in the door people aren't stopping because Alicia's a popping oh, item okay. ladies and gents okay <laughs> my living room was like full people were sitting on the ground people are standing up oh I'm like gosh. I'm I'm sweating I'm just like oh my gosh I'm gonna like embarrass myself so get my mission call there's a million papers in it so I couldn't even find the right paper everyone's staring at you I start reading it and I pronounce it the arctic north mission not the adriatic north because first of all who even knows what the heck that is i didn't oh, so i so was sad. like you're Your called to serve fear. the arctic north mission and everyone's like what and then my grandpa's like like arctic circle like oh. he like made a joke about it i was like okay and so then my dad like leaned over my shoulder and he's like no it's the adriatic north mission and then everyone's like okay because they still don't know where that is yeah. so it was my worst nightmare oh and instead of being in the moment I was like I'm an idiot like, like big that's how event. I felt yeah, yeah. and my dad was recording the whole thing mm -hmm. and still to this day like I hate watching it and that's mm -hmm. so dumb because it's such a happy moment but it says so much that I cared about what other people would think of me if I pronounced something wrong. Like like they had never done that in their life, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And if I were to say something wrong, like, oh my gosh, how embarrassing. Like, <laughs> no one's going to say that, you know? Yeah. Like, the first thing people thought was, like, how cool. Like, what a crazy mission. That we don't even know where it is. We don't even know where it is. Or and what it is. Yeah, yeah, I served in, like, five countries. That's, That's well, okay, dope. hold up. There's five countries in my mission. I served in three of the five. But it's still a really, like, cool, bizarre experience. And yeah. that's what I was worried about. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. Anyway. Perfectionism wrecks you, dude. Yeah. So, you so that was the first moment that I was like, oh, my gosh. But I didn't realize it was perfectionism. I just thought, like, that's just who I am. You that's know, just I'm just yeah. I'm just expected to be perfect in every way. And in high school and all that, I've always been a people person. Like, you, would, I was on the soccer team. I was part of, like, extracurricular activities. You would find me at pretty much every social event. Like, I just loved people. Mm -hmm. And I didn't notice, though, like, how much I really cared about what people thought of me until I went on my mission because you're stripped away from your comfort. I'm Every comfort. Every comfort. Like... Privacy. Privacy because you your live family. with someone 24-7. Yep. Family. Like, you're in a different country. Your schedule is completely taken over like whack by yeah you can't go to your favorite restaurant whenever you want to you can't yeah. just order comfort food when you want to yeah like you so, can't watch movies by the way just in case people don't know yeah like the media you can't watch movies you can't listen to music you, you don't can't read phone. books mm -hmm. you don't have a phone mm -hmm. like you're completely isolated from every comfort that you've known your entire life yeah and you like you can only read like scripture like stuff like that mm -hmm. so it's 
and a lot of people like when you're on a mission your people are like what you leave your family for this long also we get to talk to them like once a week or something over email yeah that's changed now they True. can talk on the phones but when i was there you only communicate through email and you would like skype like twice a year mother's day christmas so you're honestly like stripped away from everything that gives you comfort mm-hmm. and you know that's probably the first hard thing i went through and that's okay like everyone hits a hard thing at one point in their life that was hard for me and you have to do it alone, you know? And I started feeling really lonely because so much of my identity was in other people. So I I just started to realize how much I really cared about other people, or sorry, not cared about other people, but what they thought of me. And learning a foreign language on a mission is tough. And I would compare myself to other missionaries, missionaries who had been on their missions for like an entire year longer than me. And I had been speaking the language for like, a week you know or like a few months or something and I'm like oh why am I not as good as them something so ridiculous I was reading my mission journal I don't know a a couple months ago maybe a a month ago and I was reading through some of the goals I had set for myself and I had been in Croatia for like three weeks or so and um, I was starting fresh learning a brand new language because I just got switched from another country that didn't speak the same language so it's square one Mm -hmm. the goal I literally set for myself you guys I like laughed when I read this be known as one of the best speakers out of all the missionaries in the whole mission what even is that like it's just funny your brain wasn't like learn the language it was like no be the best language speaker yeah like literally be the best and if you're if you're not that like what were you even doing with your time you know? Dang, yeah, it's harsh, but it's real. It's harsh, but it's real. And that's how I, yeah. it works, yeah. That's how, and I just started noticing how damaging this was when I started to question who I was. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, if I can't be perfect at everything, like, who am I, you know? Am I even the person I think I am? Just, like, really soul-searching things that were <laughs> crazy. Um, but it was interesting how lonely I felt when people who would constantly praise me were taken away because I realized how much I relied on that when people would praise me for something that's when I was like oh I felt happy with myself Mm -hmm. but how exhausting unrealistic and honestly like pathetic is that that you need other people to validate you all the time to know that you're doing your best and to know that you're doing a good job and that's not sustainable no like any external look like what do they call locus is Is that that a a flower Oh, wait, let's see. Wait, hold on. What's hold the, on. like, Locus. like a, like a, oh, what is it called? Like a center of attention. Locus of, con- okay, a locus, technical. A particular point. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Any external, You're just smarter than me. <laughs> no, I literally thought I was talking about a grasshopper. Why was I thinking that? Any external locus that then determines your identity is either not sustainable or not controllable. Yeah. And so it can work for a while, right? It obviously did for yeah. you for so long. But when that fails because it's going to, mm-hmm. then that's that's when you're in a little bit of danger, right? Totally. That's when you're in a scary place mentally. Yeah, and, and along with that goal that I had set, I also said, work super hard, like, don't make a lot of mistakes, and just have fun, like, casual, right? Just be just perfect, whatever. and it's fine. Um, unrealistic goals are still unrealistic, no matter how hardworking you are or how positive you are. 
period. Oh my gosh. You guys, if it's unrealistic, that means it's not real. So like stop setting those goals for yourself. My favorite way, I don't remember if we said it in this podcast specifically or not, but you've said this before. A synonym for unrealistic is bottomless. And that is mm-hmm. one of my favorite ways yeah. I've heard that because there's literally you you can't get if something is bottomless, you can't get to the bottom. Yeah. You can't it doesn't matter if it's like a huge bottomless ocean, it doesn't matter how far or long you swim you will not get to the bottom of the ocean. There's not a seabed or something like that waiting for you. It is bottomless. If you're like searching for perfection, there's never an end and you'll never get there. Yeah, and it's not like, well, if I just do better than everyone else, I'll get there. It, no, there's like- There's not a there to get to. Yeah, so yeah. so stop, okay? Cut it out. So looking back, reading my <laughs> journal entries from when I was a missionary, I was like, oh, honey, no question I was feeling lonely. I shouldn't even question why that was a thing. But I, at the time, it was really real for me. And I was like, why is this so hard? You You're know? just staring at your balloon as it's getting bigger and higher, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And um, I noticed that I my goals became what other people wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I was told um, by someone on my mission, you are, like, so smart. You should go to Harvard when you get back like you should become a doctor you should become a lawyer that's how smart you are um but then that became my goal but that's not my that's not what I want so I let other people dictate what I was doing or what I should be doing with my life and if I didn't do that I would they would look at me lesser you know like they would think Mm -hmm. of me less in their eyes so um a couple weeks ago Anna sent me this post on Instagram from Dr. Nicole Lapera. I hope we're saying that right. Mm-hmm. Um and it said people pleasing is attempting to control how people view you. Let that see, just let that one more time. One more time. People pleasing is attempting attempting, okay, cuz it's impossible, attempting to control how people view you. But that's what you were trying to do. Yeah. Cuz if someone looked at you and said you belong at Harvard, yeah. You were like well, then I'm going to do everything I need to do to make you view me as a Harvard-bound student or individual. Yeah, and if I don't do that, like, what am I? If I don't Mm -hmm. do that, what will they think of me? Will Mm -hmm. they not like me? Will they think I'm not the person I I am, like, that they thought I was, you know? Oh, and that, to a perfectionist, is one of the most (laughs) crushing things. it eats me up. That is worst-case scenario, is for someone to see through your perfectionist facade or identity. Mm -hmm. That is, like death that is equal to dying like the worst case and let me just say something for anyone that needs to hear it there's at least one person in this world that doesn't like you and that's okay yeah there are people out there that don't like you and I know that's hard to like (laughs) accept that's hard for me to accept Mm -hmm. because I care about people so much and I care what they think of me so much that if they don't like me like I will do anything in my power (laughs) To make to them like them. me. Yeah. Even going to the point of like changing who you are. And that's are you, like so bad. Like being a chameleon. Oh, maybe? like what? Have we said that? Chameleon syndrome? So real. It makes me. Oh, wait. Do you have a, something? Oh, to read? there's just a quote. Okay, go for it, it. It's simple. It just goes along with what you just said. It yeah. says, stop trying to be liked by everybody. You don't even like everybody. Oh, what? Right? That is good. That totally breaks down the whole perfectionist thing yes. because it's unrealistic for everyone to like you. Yes. Because you. I love that. You don't even like everyone. So how can you expect everyone to like you? It's not sustainable. And one more thing I wanted to add about my mission experience is nothing was wrong with what people said to me that was, like, uplifting. There's nothing wrong with people saying, like, you're so smart. You should do this and this and this. But it's how I interpreted that. 
-hmm. it was taking that like so deep into my heart where it wasn't just like wow they think I'm capable of this and this and this it's they think I would be nothing if I didn't do that yeah and now that's an expectation you're making yourself have yes, to strive for an reach. unrealistic expectation yes and the, one of the worst things too the companion that I had at the time she like she and I had a rough start together <laughs> we like did not like each other but then we became best friends you guys and she went to Harvard and played rugby there and uh, she's a genius and of course it's fine <laughs> so I but that's the thing like it really is fine like good for her yeah like she's so awesome and does all these things but then I have things she doesn't have so exactly. why why does it have to be like this comparison game but in my mind I had to be the best me and I also had to be her at the same time yeah and you had to be everyone's idea of what best oh, you what Alicia like. should be yeah which impossible again bottomless impossible but yeah. exhausting what if I was like Anna you know you would just look better if you had blue hair and then someone else is like no I like you better with brown hair like she can't do both at the same time like just do what yeah. you want but perfectionism tells you well you gotta like you well, gotta figure you it out to. Yeah. figure it out yeah the tribe has spoken okay <laughs> so yeah anyway that's my that's kind of my first serious encounters with perfectionism after my mission and after I got home it still was very much it surfaced all the time in mm -hmm. my life in school in dating in my family in marriage it's exhausting I have to be like I have to be perfect at every role. I have to be the perfect wife mm -hmm. and the perfect student and the perfect sister and this and this because what will people think of me if I'm not, you know? Yeah. 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 No, totally. Totally. And the funny thing is people won't care. Yeah, really, though. <laughs> they don't care. And if they do care, you don't want that, those people in your circle anyway. You yeah. Know? If totally. they're going to use that to judge you or think less of you, get rid of them. Totally. Yeah. So my journey has largely been trying to to um just explore like what matters to me like mm -hmm. what do I want why do I care so much what other people think you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. and ultimately like it does come from a good place but it also comes from a place of insecurity yeah. and I think that's where it stems from so just being more confident in myself and I've gotten much better at that you but have, it's still yeah. a struggle yeah it's still a struggle no totally so totally, totally. thank you for coming to my TED talk sorry <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing um yeah thank you alicia for sure you're welcome um so mine is a little bit different I, i'm sure that alicia i'm sure you struggled with perfectionism growing up but totally. it didn't like super come at you hard until right you mm -hmm. talked about like your mission i've always struggled with it really and i touched on this quite a bit in the last episode so i won't rehash it but um just growing up in a very small town where our family was really just like under a microscope like at all times like mm -hmm. everyone knew my family well everyone knows everyone like yeah, if everyone it's small knew everyone you know everybody and everyone like again my dad taught at the high school so all of my friends knew him all of their parents knew my dad he held a lot of um well-known positions in our church and everyone in that town was a, basically almost everyone was members of the same church so yeah for just really well known everyone knew us a lot of expectations put on our family and of course the perfect older brother thing that I talked about just there was a lot contributing to it just this really intense environment where I felt like everyone was watching me. My parents expected a lot from us in a in a good way, but then also my dad had scrupulosity, so that tainted a lot mm -hmm. of that. Just a lot. And I got to a point growing up where I was just really, really depressed. Um, and I really, I didn't like myself at all. I didn't like, 
there was just every day woke up and I was just in emotional pain every Mm. day, like just really, really great amounts of just emotional and mental pain. Mm. Um, and, and it got to a point where I didn't want to be here anymore. I really just believed everyone would be better off if I wasn't around. And, and I kind of came to that crossroads and, um, one of, one of the largest reasons I didn't act on that or do anything about it is, is my, are my spiritual and religious beliefs, you know, and I believe there's something better and I just had to hang on. Um, but one of the big parts of that is I couldn't control if people thought I was funny or if people thought I was clever or smart or witty or pretty, or if people thought I, I, I couldn't control that, but I could control how helpful I was. That mm-hmm. was the one thing, right? I could walk in a room and make a dumb comment or wear a dumb outfit and immediately <laughs> people would think like, ah, oh, she's not funny. Oh, she kind of dresses weird, things like that. But if I walked into a room and I immediately looked for the person not being cl- included or looked what for needed to be done. what needed to be done, mm-hmm. what needed to be cleaned, what, what, whatever it was, I had complete control over that. And everyone loves a helpful person. Right? Yeah, especially in our faith. Yeah. Like when you are selfless, that's like, wow, you're the most perfect person in yeah. a way. Yeah, and I think we've touched on that in, in a previous episode, but really that's like the highest compliment you can receive is, oh, you're so selfless. Mm-hmm. And so for me, this really, you know, self-esteem damaged, sad person to be able to go from, I really dislike most days, hate myself to, yeah. I can expound on this attribute that I have complete control over immediately jump to being one of the most redeeming people because of this one attribute. Of course, I'm going to do that. And so for so long, for so long, that's all I focused on. And a lot of good came from it. And I really, I mean, I I do think I went through those hard things for a lot of different reasons. And I think one of those is, is I really did come out of it a better person and someone who was more aware of other people and someone who was more sensitive and caring about other people. What a selfless thing to say right now. But, <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> exactly. But like the the process that I went through for that was really damaging. And, and at the end of the day, it, I'd say, you know, a lot of it wasn't genuine because a lot of it was self-serving. And a lot of it's, yeah, like rooted in I'm being selfless and serving so other people will think I'm good. Exactly. And think I'm enough exactly. and value me. And that came to a head. It came to a head multiple times, but it came to the biggest head this summer. Um, I, 2020 is hard. 2020 is a rough, but on top of that, I know I was like already in quarantine for like three months. I had, I'd gone through all of the things I did to keep myself from being bored and finally had to be alone with my thoughts. And that's, that's hard for a lot of people. Yeah. Right. So my family lives in Idaho. I live in Provo, Utah, unfortunately. And so I get to go home, you know, once in a while, there's good things about Provo, but there's also bad things. Anyway, moving on. Um, and I went home one week in the summer and my mother, who is this perfect, beautiful, effervescent being of a human, was having kind of an off day. But like I said before, I, I lived in this family where, you know, you had to look like you had everything together and you had to look like you were doing everything right. And it wasn't really couth or or cool to show your flaws or to show weakness anyway and my mom and and especially dark emotions I should mention dark emotions were a big a big no in um growing up and and that wasn't you know to the fault of my parents or anyone else it's just it's just how I grew up and I I could tell my mom was kind of having a, a rough day but 
as always, she got all her stuff together and she made us all dinner. And I just, I had this moment while we were eating where I just, I looked over at my mom and I was in my head. I thought my mom made us this dinner to look like a good mom. And I say that very carefully because then that makes it sound like my mom's not a good mom. And she is. She is, again, like I said, beautiful and perfect and effervescent and amazing. And I'm obsessed with her. But but that one action, that one action that one day stemmed from her doing what she needed to do to look like a good mom. I had that thought and immediately I immediately went to how many times have I done something for someone else and that's the thought that they had because Mm. I did Mm. it not to not to be a good friend not to be a good sister not to be a good student employee or whatever but to look like a good sister student employee friend daughter whatever it might be and it destroyed me like I just when we talk about that perfectionist identity failing you it failed me like it fell apart right in front of me and all of a sudden this person that I had worked towards being for 24 years this identity that had worked for me this thing that I could control this thing I'd put all of my effort and energy into fell apart in a millisecond yeah and I had I had a total total breakdown and I've had breakdowns listen I have we've all been there and depression I've had (laughs) breakdowns right we're familiar but this was like another level of a breakdown it was bad and I suddenly was re-evaluating every relationship I'd had every conversation I'd had every dynamic I've had and just thinking do I even actually care about people Mm. and like as a genuine real question that was terrifying for me to ask myself yeah do I actually care about people and why was I so worried about if I cared about people because I looked back and had to question whether these connections I had with people were real or not. Mm. Why? Because I was staring at that balloon tied to my wrist for two decades of my life. Yeah. Trying to make sure that how I looked and how the balloon looked and how it was situated and everything, you know, that again, if you're not catching on the analogy, the balloon of perfectionism. Yeah. Just it, look at our little picture on the podcast. Thing. Yeah. Okay. If it looked how it was supposed to and, 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 and if I looked how I was supposed to and I just, I mean, I completely lost sight of who I was at the very most inner core of who I was. Mm. And it was so terrifying. deep, deep, yeah. Yeah, and it was the most vulnerable I've ever felt because in this one moment, I was like, what if everyone in my life has seen through this and this is the first time I'm catching wind of it and everyone my whole life has known this. Mm. And again, to a perfectionist, right, that is death for people to see through that facade. Um, and I just want to add yeah. something really quick. Like connectionism isn't born from a place of inauthentic um, interactions yeah, and inauthentic service and listening. You know, mm-hmm. like if you're not listening to really connect with that person, you're listening to look like you're listening and like, OK, do they think I'm here for them right now? Like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. What am I going to say next? Yeah. That's not where connectionism comes from. So no wonder you questioned like are my relationships real because on your end maybe they didn't feel that way in that moment yeah in that moment you know because as as a close friend to you you know I I've known like I know you're a good friend to me like I that's why we're doing a podcast together so Mm. on the outside end you know I know she's a good friend but then hearing hearing this I'm like ooh, you know like and it just shows how much of it really really is in your mind but 
once Anna and I, like, we were able to talk about her breakdown that summer, we had, like, a real conversation about it. And, like, we grew so much closer, I feel like. No, totally. The connectionism was just, like, forged. Off the charts. You know? Yeah, it was just, yeah, totally, totally. Um, Because here's the thing. When, When you're a perfectionist and perfectionism fails, so does your identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Like, when that fails, your identity fails. So that's why I fell apart on my mission? What? Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. You were torn away from everything familiar and comfortable and then had to yeah. face your real self. Right? That's exactly what yeah. it's like. Um, and I always, I mean, growing up, I kind of had a similar situation where because everyone knew my family and, and, and everyone so well, and I, st- I really did try to be, like, the best person I could be and often succeeded at it. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I because I put so much effort into it. Was the process healthy? No, no. But yeah. I did achieve a lot of what I wanted to achieve because I put so much effort into it. And so people like same thing told me all the time. They're like, oh, Anna, you're so perfect. Like, you're so perfect. You're going to go. How do you do it? How do you do Inside, it? Inside your like you're eyes so twitching. Perfect. Yeah. And this probably sounds a little trivial because I know there are people there's people out there who have been like really harshly bullied and like haven't had people say all these nice, kind things to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so but I this don't is mean our to, experience with it. Yeah. It's just our real, it's our real yeah, experience. Because I don't mean to trivia, trivialize that, but for us, like for me, hearing that every single day, where everyone is like, "Oh, you're so perfect. You're so smart. You're so this, this, and this." I was like, if I let these people down in any of those aspects, I'm nothing. Like, yeah. what am I? And so then totally. I'd revert back to, well, I am helpful, and I can control that, so I will continue being helpful. And it, it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see if people who've known me growing up listen to this and can kind mm. of see like, oh, yeah, that makes sense now. Like the dots are connecting. Um, but along with being helpful, um, a lot of perfectionism and a lot of people who, who struggle with perfectionism. Um, one lie that perfectionism loves to tell is that it's not enough to help. You have to save. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, so much of my, you my have to be like an Avenger up, saving people. You have to save people. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a post I saw, um, on Instagram and it said, it is not my job to fix or save people, to be liked all the time, to do mm-hmm. it all, to please everyone or to hold it all together. Ooh. It is my job to love people, be authentic, take the next step and breathe. Oh, come on. Will you send that to me? Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, I mean, that's the paradigm shift I kind of had to go through, right? Realizing that that's not all my job. And something that I I thought about this year that really put that into context for me, that really made it clear for me, is the story of of Harriet Tubman. So we all know Harriet Tubman, right? Mm -hmm. Underground Railroad, saved like tons and tons of slaves. Icon, hero. Amazing woman. The one and only. We love her. Yeah. I was thinking about that this year and... Um, before the breakdown, but then it, of course, became helpful afterward as well. Harriet did not, all the slaves that Harriet saved, she didn't go to the plantations these slaves were on, take them by the hand and, and take carry them, them the whole way. And, and carry them, yeah, from slavery to freedom. She did not do that. How these slaves reached freedom is they went from checkpoint to checkpoint. And these people at these checkpoints didn't save them. Right. They Mm -hmm. really didn't. They didn't save them. They just helped them get to the next step. Right. And that's all that we're supposed to do is just help people get to the next step. Because when someone comes to me and they're struggling and they're having a really hard time, Mm -hmm. I get so panicked because I think, okay, I have to solve this for them. I when they walk away from this conversation, everything will be fixed. Completely happy, completely fixed. But that's not that. 
No. No way. Right? And imagine, like, the work, think about the work she could have done by herself solely. She would have saved, like, three people. Yeah. Like, maybe. maybe. You know? Maybe. Yeah. And her intent wasn't, like, I want to be viewed in history books as the biggest hero. Or, like, no. I want to be viewed as X, Y, and Z when people talk about me. No. Like, it didn't come from a selfish place of wanting to look like something, but genuinely wanting to do good and to help in any way possible. Yeah. And and if you think about it, those people at those checkpoints, if even one of them hadn't been able to step in, the, the slaves and the people who came through to get that help might not have received it and might not have made it to freedom. Did any of those people at the checkpoint take them the entire way? No. No. Yeah. Right? Mm-mm. They just help them get to the next step. So yeah, it's all about not trying to look like this hero, but trying to be a hero, even if it's in tiny ways that are either unrecognized or aren't the whole the whole deal I guess is what I'm trying to say like it's not you didn't do all of the work you did part of the work and that's enough yeah and that's enough totally hopefully this is making sense this is a very organic talk like this episode is a lot more organic and flow and free-flowing yeah we're just like talking it out yeah um and we wanted to share our stories because we want you all to share your stories and to just accept your story and to love your story and know that it's who you are there is a quote from our queen Brene Brown love her um in her first book I read it's um the gifts gifts of imperfection wow Mm, 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 mm. (laughs) fitting (laughs) yeah good nice okay gifts of imperfection and I'm just gonna read a quote from that book owning our story can be hard but not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. Embracing our vulnerabilities is risky, but not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love, belonging, and joy. Cough, cough, connectionism. The experiences that make you most vulnerable. Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. I read that and nearly died because I was at a really like vulnerable spot. I read that and thought like, that's so true. I am exhausted from like running away from what I don't want to be from like my imperfections and my vulnerabilities that will always be a part of me. Yeah. And it's so exhausting to run from that. Like turn your back, like turn around, stop running away, face it and just Face it and embrace it. Wow, I hate myself. Face but it I, and embrace it. I just thought of that, but okay. Love it. I love it. Um, just embrace you and embrace your story and don't run away from it, mm-hmm. you know? And it's so freeing for me when I realized, like, I care a lot about what other people think and this is exhausting. Yeah. And I can't do this, you know? Yes. And it's something that's always going to be in the back of my mind, but now I can move forward living more authentically and being yeah. myself, you know? It's yeah. just so nice it is and and it doesn't seem like it would be because you're like well now you got to accept the fact that you're imperfect but guess what whether you accept it or not you are imperfect yeah welcome to life yeah and perfectionism really loves another perfectionism tells so many lies yeah it's so, so many good lies. at that um and one of them is that being average is bad or wrong or not enough And that's Mm -hmm. a lie. That's not true. Because all of us are average at something. All of us are average at more things than not. Yeah. And there's always, like, even if you're an expert at something, there's probably someone else in the world who's better at that than you. Or better at a certain angle of it. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, 
Totally. And that's okay. Like, it's interesting that if someone else is good at something, we somehow, like, take a hit. Or, like, that means I'm not something. Mm-hmm. When instead we should just, like, celebrate what other people are good at and and know that that's, like, their lane and I have my lane and that's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a – if you guys are fans of Psych, the TV show. I love – Sean Spencer. We love life. Psych. I want to marry him. It's on him. Amazon Prime if you haven't seen it. Hey, hey. It's so a good watch one. It. So, basically, he – this is yeah you're you find this out from episode one also if you haven't watched it by now i don't feel bad for you yeah (laughs) um so he's this dude who's just actually wicked smart and pretends to be a psychic so that people will hire him to solve crimes and Mm -hmm. personal life things and he's like really observant and like yeah he's he's kind of like sherlock but like yeah but everyone just thinks he's a psychic and in one of these episodes he does something wrong and because of a mistake he made someone got hurt or something like that Yeah, i don't know and his girlfriend in the show is like sean you're allowed to mess up and make mistakes. And Sean pauses and says, unless you're a psychic. And when I saw that, I paused the TV show and I was like, hmm, I've said that to myself and I'm not a psychic. I'm just like, a normal human. You just human. spoke to me. Yeah, like if I had taken out the word psychic and just said, yeah, unless you're me. I've yeah. said that to myself a million me times. Too. Right? Me too. And because, which is crazy because... And, and we've talked about this um, many times. Like, why do we expect more from ourselves than we do from other people in our same exact situations? Totally. Right? Yeah. It's, it shouldn't be, well, I'm allowed to make mistakes. Well, people are allowed to make mistakes, but not me. Yeah. That's not, again, realistic or fair or real. Or real or yeah. anything. Or anything, yeah. It's just not, like, I don't know. That's just not being very nice to yourself. So be nice. Um, Last episode, we talked about a running analogy, and we wanted to talk a little bit more about that because it really just aligns with Mm -hmm. how we feel about perfectionism. Yeah. But we want to put it in terms of like a race, running a race. Building up to the race, you might train a lot, you might not. But either uh, either way, you just show up doing your best. You're going to do best that day. You like start on the start line and then you go and you're running Mm -hmm. and you're exhausted and it's hard and it's harder than you thought and every time every every time um and all you can see is the finish line and think like why why am I not there like how can I get there you know and why is this so hard for me and you just start you as in me (laughs) this is how like I feel I think a lot of people would feel this way you just like get in your head you zone out and you're just focused on you like everything around you blurs and you just try and think step after step after step Mm -hmm. after step Mm -hmm. some steps are walking some are jogging some are running when you're walking you're like i shouldn't be walking right now this is so ridiculous Mm -hmm. you know and and then when you're sprinting you're thinking why am i not there yet yeah totally like even if you're giving it your all and then you get to the finish line and you're just like oh i did it or like oh man so many people finished before me like how many people are behind me so and and alicia brought this up earlier how so often when we're getting so focused in on ourselves and again we keep bringing the analogies back to this because it's exactly how it works you just whether you're focused on a balloon whether you're focused on your feet running you're just completely inwardly focused and you're not seeing the family members on the sides with posters cheering Cheering you on on. you're not seeing your friends running next to you also struggling yeah Right. You're not seeing the snack table that's a mile down. And and once you get there, you get some Gatorade or something like that. You're not seeing the next good thing. You're just seeing right here, right now, yourself and how bad and awful it or you is. Totally. Whatever. 
<laughs> yeah, and you can't focus on those like good moments around you because you're so blinded on you're so blinded with what you should be or what you're not. Mm-hmm. Like why am I not this? So we miss out on those moments and the people behind you that are struggling, you know? Yeah. Like the people that showed up, like you showed up to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. But you don't even think about that. Mm-hmm. And here's my friend asked me about this a, a week or two ago. Well, longer than that. Anyway, irrelevant. And he was like, well, what like what is the actual difference between being a perfectionist and just being someone who wants to do a job well? I was like, that's an important question. That's one. Of, I think that's one of the questions I get asked the most when I bring this up is, well, then why is perfectionism toxic? Like, why is it a bad thing? Here's how I see it in the analogy of a race. If you are a normal, healthy minded person and you're running a race, you are in the race, you are present. You're you're sitting there and you're watching your feet move, you're watching the ground move beneath you and you're seeing the progress you're making and you can either see or know where the finish line is and it's down the road Mm -hmm. and you're seeing the progress you're making. You know it's a long way to go. And it's still hard. And it's still hard, but you know you're you're getting there and you're, you're taking into account the progress you're making and you're being present and measured and intentional. A perfectionist who is running a race, they are watching themselves run the race from the finish line. Yeah. And the entire time, and this is a little abstract, but basically imagine that you're two of you and it's like you're at the finish line watching yourself run the race and all you're thinking is, oh my gosh, why are you Embarrassing. Here? Why aren't you here yet? What's taking you so long? What's taking you so long? You're just looking at the gap between yourself and the finish line rather than looking at it from the other way and thinking I'm getting closer to the finish yeah line. and then you should on yourself oh I yes. should have started training earlier yes. I should have whatever and um, again another sorry quickly no, no. on the on the should thing Go ahead. um another that that same therapist that we talked about Dr. LaPera says it sh- you shouldn't say I should have you should say the lesson I am taking away from this experience is, is blank I yep. like that yep I really really like that that's cool yeah Maybe people that are runners can shoot us more, like, more parallels that they see with this analogy. But life is just a struggle, you guys. And even the person that runs the race effortlessly, like, good for them. And they've trained hard and gone through hard things to be able to do that. And that's okay. And the people who show up on the day of the race without any prior training show up. And they're there. But just, like, be there, you know? And... They're just trying their best and there's people around you supporting you and like you'll get through it no matter how fast you get there, you know, yeah, and we're all in it. Stop and walk. Yeah. We're stop all completely. in this Okay. Oh. I'm sorry. I, you started harmonizing with me and I just like could not even focus. You're so good. <laughs> oh good Alicia's just too nice to me. <laughs> um, so... We want you guys to send us any questions you've had about this series. Anything that wasn't clear or just this episode or about perfectionism in general that we haven't touched on. Send us your questions, compliments, concerns, anything. Compliments. Compliments. Just kidding. (laughs) But really, and we want to take another episode and address those. A bonus episode. A bonus episode. You're welcome. Yeah, we're real, really, hold on. (laughs) Where we will really just... Yeah, take what you guys want to talk about and talk about it. Yeah. Because, yeah, we laid down the foundation for you, hopefully, during these episodes. But if there's something you wanted to go more in depth on or you have a certain situation you're not sure about, coping mechanisms, whatever it is, we want to talk about it. Totally. So send them 
our way, please. And we would love, 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 love to address it. Yeah. So thank you for listening to this series. It has been so fun. We're so excited for the series to come. Mm -hmm. And without further ado, let's give them some takeaways. Takeaways. Okay. (laughs) First, number one, the sooner you admit and accept that you struggle with perfectionism, the sooner you will begin to see connectionism in your life. Two, unrealistic goals are still unrealistic no matter how hardworking or positive you are. Three, the perfectionist lie is that you need to save people, not help them. Four, people-pleasing is attempting to control how people view you. And that's it. That's it. Thank you so much. I'm Alicia. I'm Anna. And this is Popping Perfectionism. Perfectionism.